In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us everything. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, John is an interesting figure when it comes to the disciples. Because when you, when you look at all of the disciples, you have probably Peter that stands out as the, the figurehead of all of what the disciples were doing. But John, John is sort of like the bass player of the apostles. He, he's the one who, who's kind of standing in the background, but you definitely need him in order to understand the rest of what is happening. And so you, you have this figure who is John, who, who is this person who Jesus himself calls the beloved, the beloved disciple. In fact, when John is, is writing his Gospel. He, he never refers to himself by his name usually. He, he usually just refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And so you, you have this sort of sense of John being the beloved. And John actually enjoying that name. And knowing that that name was a special name that Jesus probably called him. And then when we take a look at his letters to his congregations that he was sent over, he uses that term, the beloved, over and over and over again as he is talking about the people that he is sending these letters out to. And John, while Peter might be kind of the most forthright of all of the disciples, John is, is the one that seems to just have kind of this mysterious aura around him. He's the, the disciple that uh, so much gets written about in terms of the legends about John, the disciple. One of those legends is that uh, when there were some people that didn't like the Christians and they knew that the Christians would come together and that they would celebrate communion together. And so what they did was they would take a snake and they would put the snake's venom into the communion cup. And that uh, when John was celebrating communion, the legend goes that John lifted up the cup and said the words of institution. And all of a sudden, the snake's venom became a snake itself and crawled out of the cup. Now, there's no real reason to believe that story. But it does give you a sense of the mystery and the character with which John seemed to walk around in his life. Another one of those uh, sort of legends about John is that John never died. That John actually, when Jesus was talking at the end of his gospel, that when Jesus is talking to Peter and some of the other disciples, and he, he's talking about uh, when people are going to die, that he actually looks at John and, and he says, what is it if this one never dies? And so out of that you have this sort of legend that becomes this thing called the wandering Jew where you have the Apostle John who is wandering through life sort of like a vampire forever and ever and ever. And again, there is no reason to believe that story. But it gives you a sense of the mystery with which people looked at the Apostle John. And then you find out that John actually 
was set as a bishop over the area of Ephesus. That is why he writes the three letters that are at the back of your New Testament that say, love, 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 beloved, love, 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 beloved, love, 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 beloved. That's basically what they're all about. Maybe a little, my little children mixed in there, here and there. But John is, is the apostle of love, really. He, he is certainly the one who writes the most about what it is to love, but he doesn't really necessarily always explain it. And then sometimes he goes into this, kind of this crazy, mysterious, mystical stuff like he does in our letter today where he says, well, the water and the blood and the spirit and these three all disagree and we all nod our heads and we go, yeah, that's right on, John. I know exactly what you're talking about there. They do all agree. I have no idea. And it seems that John did actually live for a very long time. They, they assume that John uh, did have a very long life for the amount of uh, for, for the amount of years that most people around his time did. It looks like he lived to be at least in his 90s, or maybe even into his uh, into going into a, a, a past the hundreds. Um, so maybe he was 101 or 100 or 102 when, when he actually passed away. And so out of that, we think, well, maybe that is, is what people were talking about when they thought that John was going to live forever because he outlasted all of his peers. Or maybe that was just something that people came up with well after. But one of the most interesting things that we know about John is actually something that we know from Scripture, and so because we know it from Scripture, it's not something that we can take a look at and we can say, well, believe it or not, you know, maybe he, he lived forever, maybe there was a snake in his cup, maybe whatever. We, we actually know that this happened. And what this is, is that when Jesus was dying up on the cross, that he looks down at his mother and the disciple who is beloved, John, he looks down at them, and he looks at his mother, and he says, Mother, behold your son. And then he looks at John, and he says, Son, behold your mother. And the Gospel of John tells us that from that point on, Mary went to live in John's house, up until the point when she died. And so we know from the Scripture that Mary... The mother of God was living in John's house. That Jesus actually shared his mother with this disciple whom he loved. And, and I think that you can kind of hear a little bit of Mary in some of what John is writing here in, his, in the fifth chapter of his first letter to the people around Ephesus. Because he says something that, well, honestly, I think I've only heard, well, really mothers say. Because he says, well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Fathers tend not to do that. Fathers tend to say, keep my commandments or I will kill you. But mothers tend to take much more of an emotional approach to things, and they will say things like, well, you will keep my commandments if you love me. And in a lot of ways, it's true. It's not something that is untrue at all. If we love someone, 
We, we tend to do what they say. When we, you look at the people in your lives whom you love and they ask you to do something, or maybe even they tell you to do something and you still do it. Maybe not all of the time, but if you do keep that commandment, if you do do that thing that the, the, that person is asking, you're doing it because of love. Unless it's an employer, and then it's a completely different thing. Maybe. And, and so you have this sense of John knowing what it is to live with the, the mother of his Lord and to hear her stories about what it was like growing up with Jesus as a toddler. And you get this sense of what it was like to be able to hear from her mouth what it was like to be the mother to the Savior of the world. It's a pretty interesting thing if you think about it. And if you really think about it, the, the mere fact that the Savior of the world had a mother is interesting within itself. And some people think that that is why what John is talking about here when he's talking about the spirit and the water and the blood. There's actually many different theories about what John is talking about. We're not entirely sure exactly what he's alluding to, but we know that there are a few different things that he could be talking about. And one of those things that he could be talking about is that when Jesus was born, that he was born with the water and the blood. If you've ever seen a birth take place, you know that there is blood there. And there is also this thing that happens called the breaking of the waters, which I just found out this year is always in plural for some reason. It's weird. Waters. And so you, you have this time of being born of blood and water. And we know that who John was arguing against largely in his ministry there in Ephesus was this group of people called the Gnostics. And this group of people called the Gnostics, this particular set, thought that Jesus had just been sort of adopted into the family of God. That Jesus had not been born really of a mother, but that simply at his baptism in the River Jordan, that that is the point at which God said, you are my son, and at that point, Jesus became Jesus Christ. But before that, he was just... Jesus, the guy. And so when John is saying that this, this person who told us to keep his commandments was like us, is an important thing to John. Because it's an important thing to John because John understood what we understand today. And that is that we are brothers and sisters together. And the reason that we are brothers and sisters together is that we are all sons and daughters. That in our baptisms, that God gave us the right 
and even the responsibility of being his sons and his daughters. And that we are not that way because of some sort of strange thing that, that happened with some guy that, Jesus, that God the Father said, well, I guess you're good enough. But rather that God chose to take on human flesh himself and to be born as a child and to, of all things, have a mother. And because of that, when we look at Jesus, we look upon our brother, somebody who has been born in the same manner that all of us were born. And yet, somebody who is different. Somebody who was born into our lives in order to save us from our sins. In order to give us everything that he had. And so it is a lot like what is happening in the Paul family right now, and maybe what has happened in your family when you got a new sibling. When you got that new sibling, all of a sudden, one of the things that you found out was that everything that was yours is now ours. And speaking as somebody who was basically an only child up until I was six, I knew that very well. When my brother came around, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I've got to share everything. I've got to share mom, I've got to share dad, and most importantly, I have to share my toys. But that is who Jesus is for us. He is that older brother who by his death on the cross has paid the price for our adoption into his family so that he can share with us all that he has. His righteousness, his love, and even his commandments so that we might love our other brothers and sisters that he has included into his family as well. John knew very well what it was like to be one of the first people who really knew what it was like to be a little brother or a little sister to Christ. And it was something that he cherished for his entire life as he shared his space with Jesus' mother as he shared his life with Jesus' commandments. And we get to do the same by sharing our lives with his commandments, by sharing our space with his Father and his Holy Spirit up until the point at which we are ushered in to the resurrection where we share with all of our brothers and sisters there. Amen.